0: Welcome, everyone. I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the Director of the Respect Life Office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro-Life. Each month, we'll discuss a different topic in the Respect Life arena. We'll hear a personal story from someone deeply affected by that issue. And finally, we'll share ways that you can get involved. This month's topic is domestic violence. This week, we have a special guest. Will you please introduce yourself?
1: Hi, Bob. My name is Karen Query. I'm here today to talk about domestic violence and to share my story. Back in my early 20s, I began dating a man like most domestic violence relationships. Started off just like any other. He was very kind, he was very charming, had fun together. And then things quickly kind of took a turn. We worked at the same place of business and to be honest with you, he was my boss. It started off with just things like jealousy. I would want to go hang with my friends, maybe go do something with my family. And in the beginning, he would be like, well, I want to go with you. Or he would, why Why do you want to spend so much time with them? Don't you care about me? Don't you want to, don't we have fun together? And just kind of make me feel bad for not spending all my time with him started off not so intense but within a two-year period of time things got very intense i can remember i was a server and i was the trainer of the new employees and so i did a little bit of traveling and i could remember when i would pack to go to surrounding cities to train other employees that did not go well with him Didn't like for me to be away from him or to be out of his sight. And I can remember one time in particular, I had packed my belongings and was getting ready to go. And he saw my clothes and he didn't like what I was taking. It's not like I was wearing anything that would be revealing or provocative or anything like that, you know, because I'm working. I remember just trying to close the bag and just kind of get away because I had to leave. I had to meet the other people I was going with. He grabbed me to keep me from leaving, hit me and I did get away and obviously I was upset. And so I went to my place of employment and by the time I got there, which was maybe like a 10 or 15 minute drive, I had bruises on my arms where he had grabbed me and my boss saw it and asked if my abuser, and again his name was Bill, did that. And and I said, Yeah. But I just kept going and I did my job. I think I was back within two days. And I went, you know, I went back to work and I just kept going. It was just gradually getting worse. I can remember I was a student at Wright State University. It was exam time and back then, I think it's still there, but there used to be an Arby's across the street. And I always studied in the same place, the same location, the third floor at Wright State Library. I was studying one day and I left to go get some D. And I went to Arby's and I came back. I must've left at the time that he came looking for me and I wasn't there. At that point, I was living with him and when I got home that night, he was really mad and accused me of cheating. And so, you know, all of the name calling and where was I and why was not I what where I said I was going to be, which was at the library. And I tried to explain it and, you know, just lots of yelling and arguing. And I just go to bed. So I, I go to get into the bed. He was a third degree black belt. And he hit me so hard with, like, he was laying down too. And he kicked me in the back so hard that I didn't even hit the floor. I just hit the wall from my bed. Yeah. Knocked the breath out of me. That was a pretty scary night because he was, I mean, there was yelling and screaming, but like he was so calm. And then we just go to bed and then that happened. I knew it was bad, Bob, but I had tried several times already to break up with him, to get away from him, and it just wasn't working. My father owns some properties here in town, and so I got my own place and I moved into one of his places, and my number was unlisted. To this day, I do not know how this happened. Within 20 minutes of my phone being connected, and an unlisted number. My parents didn't even have my number yet. He called me. He was my very first phone call with a new phone number and it was unlisted. And in the end, I can remember sitting at Adventure Golf in Centerville with a friend of mine and I actually told him, I remember this like it was yesterday. I said, he's going to kill me. I I don't know when, um, but I know how I'm gonna die. I'm going to die at the hands of Bill. It was just getting worse. You know, lots of violence, just lots of violence. I went to my parents' house because there would just been, it was escalating, and I knew that. So I did not go back to his place. And so the next morning, I went back because I had to go to college, go to school, and he was there. I didn't think he'd be there. I thought he'd be at work, but he was waiting on me, and it got violent. And I called the police and they heard him threaten my life he threatened my life while i'm on the phone with the police officer and so they said we we heard what he said we're going to stay on the phone with you the police will be arriving in just a minute just hang tight i'm literally running around in the living room with the phone in my hand waiting for the police just trying to see. and the whole time he's like cussing and yelling and he acted like a total jerk to them too. Like they got to see what he was really like. They told him to step aside for me to let me get my stuff. In the end, uh, neighbors and the cops went to court with me and stood up on my behalf. And that was kind of like the last day that I spent any time with him. My brother took my stuff, packed it up, and brought it to my parents' house. And I stayed with my parents thinking he'll leave me alone, right? He's right. not going to come to my dad's house. He's My brother was younger than me and he still lived at home at the time. He's not going to come bother where my dad and my brother are. Well, he didn't come to the house. He still He still came to the place of employment. He still, wherever I was, he was there. If it was Myers, if I went grocery shopping, he would show up there. If I, um, it got to the point where like I wouldn't go anywhere by myself. If I went to Kmart, I would take my brother. If I went to the bar with my friends, then somebody escorted me, and then somebody escorted me home. And it that didn't matter either. He would still show up. If I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. He did physical things, but there was also this component of like the mental that just wore me out.
0: Right.
1: It it wore me out. Like I can remember more than once I would be traveling from his apartment was in Huber Heights and I went to college at Wright State. I can remember more than once from the drive from Wright State to Huber thinking, He's going to ask me questions. Do I tell the truth or do I lie? Like which beating is going to be the lesser? Cause no matter what I did, I knew I was going to get it. Like the Arby's incident. I, I just went and got a sandwich and I came right back. I ate the sandwich in the library. Right. What is wrong with that? Right. Right. But it didn't matter what I did and I couldn't win. If I didn't let him in, he was going to beat the house down. And even if he beat the house, beat the door in, if I go to work, he's going to show up at work and everybody liked him. And he was very nice. He was funny. He was charming. He was a boss. So what are you going to do? Go against your boss, stand up against your boss. It went on for close to two years and even after we broke up he stalked me and my family not just me he stalked my family for about close to 2 years after that after i after i saw him for the last and final time he stalked my family for about 2 years it, he was we were not going to stop him we were not i'm convinced and people always ask well, how did you get away or like what made it stop he got transferred to Indiana, his hometown, oh. and I'm truly convinced that if he was still here, I might not be here or he would still be doing it. That's when I learned about Artemis. My advocate's name was Shelby, Shelby saved my life. I really mean that. I was sitting at the end of the kitchen table in my parents' house and my mother was doing the dishes and I was done that's what I was saying is like, I can't do it. Um, I don't remember what it was about, but I was talking to my advocate, Shelby, and I don't remember her exact words to me, but what I remember is the feeling that she gave me. She gave me the hope that I could do it. And I had lost that. And it it took about six months for me to kind of get my breath back. The moment that I had this thought in my head and I can remember like it was yesterday. I can remember just catching my breath. I remember just going, "Ah, I got this. And from that day forward, my life changed for the better. I think with the help of my family and Artemis, I was starting to talk about what was occurring. I still hadn't told my parents hardly anything. They knew a little bit. They knew it wasn't good, but I hadn't shared any of the things that I've shared with you. My brother knew. My brother knew. And to be honest with you, I don't know that I would be here today if it wasn't for my brother. He literally went everywhere with me, everywhere. And after it was all said and done, I just needed that time to heal Here I am. Now I work for Artemis.
0: (laughs) Great. So Karen, you you're you're talking about Artemis. So why don't you tell us what what is Artemis and what do they do? And
1: Sure, sure. Artemis Center. Artemis Center started in nineteen eighty five. It is an advocacy center. A lot of people think we're the shelter. We are not the shelter. However, we do we're collaboratively with the shelter in the sense that if someone calls us and they're in need of shelter, we're not going to say, oh, sorry, can't help you. We are actually going to connect them and transfer them to the shelter here in our town. You heard me talking about the civil protection order. We can assist individuals with getting protection orders. We can accompany, do court accompaniment with them. We can actually go to court with them and kind of walk through that process. We also offer support groups. We have a small food pantry and hygiene pantry to assist individuals in just kind of getting through to the next pay period. We offer uh, counseling for adults and children who've witnessed or experienced domestic violence. All of our services, Bob, are free and confidential. We go throughout the community talking about domestic violence, so we go into schools We go into churches, we go into places of employment and we will talk about domestic violence to bring about awareness, but also to bring about like how people can help if someone says to them, I'm in a domestic violence relationship, or maybe they, maybe that person isn't talking, but maybe they're seeing things. This is what domestic violence looks like.
0: I'm sure I know the vast majority of victims of domestic violence are women, but is this only for women, or is for anyone experienced domestic violence?
1: Bob, that's a good question. No, we serve all victims of right. domestic violence. I would want people to know that 90 to 95 percent of domestic violence occurs by a male, but it that could be to a male.
0: Right. One thing I'm noticing here on the website right away is quick escape. So I guess if you're in a house and you live with a person who's abusing you and you're looking at this website, you can just click on quick escape and immediately goes back to Google. So no one knows that you were there. What else can we learn from the, from the website here?
1: We have the hotline. We recently took the hotline on 24-7, 365 approximately two years ago. So one of the things about our hotline is you're never going to get a voicemail you're always going to get a live person because the reality of it is, Bob, is you never know when that person is going to be able to call back again. So we want to make sure that they're getting a live person to be able to assist them. So some of the things that we do on our hotline is we can safety plan with them. On average, it takes a person eight times to leave their abuser. And the other thing we know is that when a person does make that decision to leave the risk is increased greatly. 75% of victims who are in domestic violence who are killed each year in the United States are killed after they leave. That's a pretty huge statistic. So when we hear on our hotline that my bags are packed, I've got my keys in my hand, I'm in my car, I don't know where to go, we know that things just got more serious. So being able to safety plan with that person can often save a life. The other thing is sometimes leaving might not be the answer, okay? Because of what I just said. Oftentimes working with individuals on how to safety plan while living in that relationship until they can get out and be be safer, we can assist with that.
0: So again, for those listening on the podcast, especially it's here on the screen at artemiscenter.org but it's 937-461-HELP is the phone number.
1: Do you see where it says get involved? Yes. So if you click on that, you see events. Artemis has several events throughout the year that people can come and volunteer. We have a vigil. We have our annual Breaking the Cycle breakfast. So there's always things that people can do to volunteer. That may be their time. It could be financial support. There's always something. If you're not sure what your skill is, we can probably help you find your skill or your talent. Uh, People are welcome to call the hotline number and just ask for the volunteer department and we can get you connected that way. Or on our website, the business line is available as well. It's 461-5091. It's up in the top left corner. And they can talk to our receptionist who will get you to uh, Kelly or Aaron and they will help you identify what it is that you would like to volunteer with.
0: I was going to ask you that. So you can call the hotline and say, hey, I just wanted to reach the, the volunteer department. Yes. That'd be okay. Otherwise the same first part, nine three seven four six one, but 5091 is the office number. Whereas help is the hotline. Great. So there's all kinds of things you can do to help out. If you can shred paper, if you can wash toys, right? If you can put up chairs, et cetera, et cetera, they can help you find out how you can get involved. Or you can also donate. There's a donate link right up here at the top as well. Click on donate if you want to offer some finance or resources to help them keep the hotline open. They have matching gifts, estate planning, et cetera, all kinds of ways that you can just click on here and donate as well. Again, on that website at artemiscenter.org. Okay, Karen, so someone's in a domestic violence situation, right? Their life is entirely controlled. They've already, they've tried to break up with this person, but that has not been successful, right? What advice do you have for them?
1: I would want them to know that it's not their fault and that they're not alone. Okay, because you got to remember, domestic violence is not about anger. It's about power and control. And so one of the ways that abusers use that power and control is to make you feel bad about yourself, to isolate you. And so it does take a toll on you. And so I want victims, I want people to know that it is not your fault and that there is help. And one of those pieces of help is Artemis. All
0: right. Well, thank you, Karen, so much for sharing your story with us and helping us be more aware of the problem of domestic violence in our country and how it is that people can get more involved. Or if you're a victim of domestic violence yourself how it is that you can get help
1: there is hope there is and we're here and when you're ready we're ready
0: and i want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our being pro-life series head to the website and view all the links talked about in this episode at www.catholiccincinnati.org being-pro-life thank you again for joining us today and i look forward to being with you next time